0: Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, the co-host with the newly repurpled hair. And I'm Katie. And I really need to redo the red in my hair. Yes, it is definitely time to re you. What? <laughs> you heard me. Kinda wish I hadn't. Oh, you know what I meant. Do I, though?
1: Let's just fly into the Phoenix Flashback. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 30, Grop, and the absolutely no corresponding film scenes. The twins' exit kicks off a student uprising that eclipses even the French Revolution. Peeves does not take his duty as the new mischief-maker-in-chief of Hogwarts lightly. McGonagall and Flitwick give zero fucks about all the troublemaking, in fact, they low-key encourage it. The parents are finally coming for blood when they realize something's not okay at the school. The shitty beaters would make a great band name, but they make really terrible teammates. Harry realizes that he learned a lesson about snogging your crushes. And Umbridge is now realizing that with great power comes a lot of parents pitching. Accurate.
0: hmm During episode 172, Duo Weasley, our Potter pondering was, Would you rather have Filch take you across the swamp in a boat, or just kick you across it? Also, what are some of the ways you think Filch would have liked to send the students across the swamp?
2: Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. How would I like for Filch to yeet me across the swamp? Man, that's a tough one. I don't want him touch me at all. So if I could just sit like in the back of the boat, be cool, even though I kinda of figured he'd have people like ziplining across or just kind of spin around in a circle, hold them by their legs and throw. Hopefully, they make it all the way across. I'm surprised he was helping people at all. You're on your own. Swim. <laughs> Seemed like something he would be up to.
3: <laughs> g'day, Ellen. G'day, Katie. Jackson here with my pot of pondering for this week. Would I rather be pushed across the swamp in a boat by filch or be kicked across? Well, they both have their pros and cons. I mean, they're in a boat. Obviously, I'm not getting booted up the ass. But then again, I have to spend time in a boat with Filch. If I was kicked, I'd be kicked. You know, I'd be feeling that pain. But then again, it's quicker. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd probably take the boat. I could just put a silencing charm on him. You know, Muffliato. <laughs> What's the... Other ways he might have wanted to get students across? Oh, well, if he could do magic, he would just, you know, use the banishing spell on them, you know, get them across. (laughs) You know, blast them.
2: Hi, this is Kendra Copeland calling in my Potter Pondering. I first want to admit the fact that, well, I don't think I even understood what punt meant in the... American way anyway so I actually thought he was picking kids up and throwing them across so I didn't realize it meant kick but there you go I'm obviously not a football fan sorry so yeah I really thought that he was throwing those kids across but the question was whether or not I would rather be taken across by boat or kicked across I think I prefer the boat you know that that sounds a little bit more pleasant all right bye Hello, this is David. So first off, I just want to say that when I read that Filch was punting kids across the lake, I thought he was kicking them. But maybe that's an American football thing and uh, just all that popped in my head. But would I rather have him kick me across the lake or in a boat? I would say kick, despite how much it hurt. I imagine it would be better than spending any amount of time that it took across the lake in a boat with So. Yeah, what other kinds of ways? I really can only imagine you'd grab people by the hair and swing them around like a hammer throw or whatever they call it in track and field. And you'd probably want to string some kind of thing across the lake and hang people by their thumbs and send them across or something, like some kind of thumb-hanging zip slide or something. Anyway, well, that's what I thought. So, all right, here's the punting. Bye. Hey, guys, this is Jessica calling in my Potter Pondering for this week. And I'm just gonna start off by saying yes, yes, I did imagine Filch drop kicking kids across the swamp. Like I recently listened to the audiobooks, and I knew that couldn't possibly be what it meant, especially because he like has no magic and couldn't kick them all the way down the corridor. But yeah, I didn't know for sure it meant boat. Oh, I kind of assumed. But, you know, due to our American use of the word, I can't help but imagine him just setting up the kids on a tee, running up and just straight up kicking a field goal or whatever. (laughs) Just flying them just straight across. Oh, that would have been really funny to see that. So you guys are definitely not the only ones there. Getting across in a slingshot does sound pretty fun, though. (laughs) but. I think that Filch would have liked to drown the students in the swamp instead of actually, like, getting them across it in any way. I can just hear him in my head saying, Approval for drowning! Approval for drowning! (laughs) So, that's it. Okay, bye.
0: Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was...
1: Who does Umbridge think put the Niffler in her office? Pepto Bitchmall
0: thinks that it was Hagrid who did it. Congratulations goes to Megan Slater. Woohoo! This was a really close one between her and Mike this week. She just beat him out by seconds. Mm Mm-hmm. Kalista was also right in the mix a few minutes later. It could really be anyone's win next week. Who do you think it'll be? We shall see.
1: For now, let's dive into the second half of Chapter 30, Grop,
0: and the corresponding film scenes. Chapter 30, Grop Part 2. Hagrid continues to lead the way into the forest, with Harry and Hermione struggling to keep up with his long strides, especially on the increasingly overgrown path. When Hagrid fully steps off the path, Harry starts to feel uneasy and asks him where they are going. He just vaguely calls back that they're going a bit further and tells them to keep together. They try to keep up, but keep getting caught in cobwebs and on branches. Harry has little cuts and scratches all over his arms and legs, and they are so far into the forest that any little sound comes across threatening in the dark and silence. Hermione asks if they can light their wands, and Hagrid stops suddenly as he agrees causing Hermione to walk right into him and topple backwards. Harry catches her before she hits the ground, and Hagrid suggests that they stop for a bit so he can fill them in. When they both say Lumos, Hagrid's nervous and sad face is visible in the wand light as he begins to explain that there's a good chance he's going to be sacked any day now because Umbridge thinks he was the one who put the Niffler in her office. Harry can't stop himself from asking Hagrid if it was him, and Hagrid indignantly insists that it wasn't. She's just looking for an excuse to get rid of him. He says that he doesn't want to go, but if it weren't for the special circumstances he's about to tell them about, he would leave now, before she can fire him in front of the whole school like with Trelawney. Harry and Hermione start to protest, but Hagrid waves them off and tells them that it isn't a big deal because he will be useful to the order once he's out, and they will have Grubly Plank to see them through their exams. His voice breaks and Hermione pats him on his arm as he pulls out a giant handkerchief and tells them not to worry about him. He's just telling them all this because he needs their help if he does have to leave, and Ron's too, if they're willing. Harry immediately says of course they will help him and asks what he wants them to do. Hagrid tells them that it's just a bit further and to watch out for the nettles. They walk another 15 minutes, and Harry is just about to ask him how much further, when Hagrid throws out his arm to stop them. He tells them to go easy and quietly, and they creep towards what Harry thinks is a large mound of earth, and likely a lair to some enormous animal. Trees have been ripped up by the roots all around the mound, and when Hagrid comments that it's sleeping, Harry notices a distant rhythmic rumbling. He looks over at Hermione who is gazing at the mound with her mouth open and is very confused when she asks Hagrid who he is. Harry finds the question odd since he was wondering what it is, but it becomes clear when she reminds Hagrid that he told them none of them wanted to come. Harry looks from Hermione to Hagrid to the mound and realizes it isn't a mound at all. Hagrid explains that he didn't want to come, but that he had to bring him. Hermione begins to protest this, and the two go back and forth a bit before Hagrid informs them that he is his brother. Hermione's mouth drops open, and Harry asks Hagrid what he means by brother. Hagrid explains that his mother took up with another giant after she left his dad and had Grop, so he's his half-brother. Harry questions the name Grop, and Hagrid says that's what it sounds like when he says his name. He's been trying to teach him English and some manners and whatnot, because it doesn't look like their mom liked him any more than she did Hagrid, especially since he's runty compared to the other giants at only 16 feet. Hermione sarcastically calls him tiny, and Hagrid just sadly explains that he was being kicked around by the other giants and he couldn't just leave him there. Harry asks what Madame Maxime thought about it, and he tells them that she could see it was important to him, but they ended up splitting up on the journey home, which took Hagrid a lot longer since he could only travel by night and through the country, and Grop kept wanting to turn back. Hermione asks why he didn't just let him, wondering what he's going to do with a violent giant who doesn't even want to be there. Hagrid insists that violent is a bit harsh— He may take a swing or two at him when he's upset, but he's getting a lot better. Harry asks about the ropes tying him to the nearby trees, and Hagrid says that it's mostly because he doesn't know his own strength. Hermione apprehensively asks what it is that he wants her, Harry, and Ron to do, and she and Harry exchange miserable looks when he tells them that he wants them to look after him. Harry is well aware that he already promised Hagrid they would, and Hermione asks what that involves. Hagrid reassures them that it doesn't involve getting him food or anything like that. Really, he just needs company and people to keep teaching him. Harry says nothing and just looks over at the sleeping gigantic form, which looks much more misshapen than Hagrid's oversized human form. He reiterates that Hagrid wants them to teach him, remembering and now understanding Forenz's warning. Hagrid confirms this, saying that if they even just talk to him, it will help him see that people like him and want him to stay. Harry looks over at Hermione, who has her face covered by her hands, and peers back at him through her fingers as he says, Kind of makes you wish we had Norbert back, doesn't it? She gives a shaky laugh, and Hagrid, who didn't hear what he said, asks if they will do it. Knowing he already promised, Harry says they will try, and Hagrid smiles and says he knew he could count on him. He knows they are really busy, especially with the upcoming exams, so he suggests they just head down in his invisibility cloak once a week to have a chat. He then offers to wake him up so they can meet him, and though Hermione tries to stop him, it's too late, and Hagrid pokes Grop in the back with a large tree branch. He wakes up with a roar, causing birds to fly away, as he pushes himself onto his knees and turns to see who disturbed him. Hagrid asks him if he had a nice sleep, as Harry and Hermione back as far away as they can while still keeping the giant in sight. The grayish, huge face has a stubby, shapeless nose, a lopsided mouth with huge yellow teeth, and small greenish-brown eyes that are half-closed with sleep. He raises his large fists and rubs his eyes before pushing himself to his feet. The ropes attached to his ankles and wrists cause the trees to creak as he reaches towards the nest, roaring in displeasure that there's no bird and dumping the eggs to the ground. Hagrid forges ahead, trying to tell his half-brother that he brought friends for them to meet, like he mentioned before, when he said he might have to go on a trip. He asks if Groppy remembers that and only gets a roar in return, which makes it really difficult to know if Grop is listening or even knows Hagrid is talking. As the giant begins to bend a pine tree down to the ground, Hagrid tells him not to do that and shouts again that he has company for him. Hermione tries to tell Hagrid not to draw attention to them, but Hagrid has already poked Grop again with the bow. He lets go of the tree and looks down. Hagrid takes this opportunity to introduce Grop to Harry Potter, and for the first time, the giant notices that Harry and Hermione are there. He lowers his head to look down at them, and Hagrid begins to introduce Hermione. As he starts to say her name a second time, he cuts himself off to ask Hermione if she minds if he calls her Hermie, since Hermione might be difficult for him to remember. Hermione squeaks that she doesn't mind, and Hagrid reintroduces her to Grop as Hermy. The giant's hand starts to reach for her, but Harry manages to pull her behind a tree just in time. Hagrid admonishes Grop, telling him not to grab, but then says, ouch. Harry peeks around the tree to see that Hagrid is lying on his back with a bloody nose, and Grop has lost interest in them and is back to pulling on the tree. Hagrid gets up as he thickly says that they've met him and now he will know them when they come back, suggesting they better go now. Harry and Hermione both agree, and Hagrid shoulders his crossbow and leads the way back through the trees. They walk for a while in silence, hearing when Grop finally manages to uproot the tree, and Harry thinks about what will happen when someone finds out Grop is hiding in the forest and how he promised that he would continue Hagrid's pointless attempt to civilize him. Hagrid then tells them to hold on and fits an arrow to the crossbow as they are approached by a centaur. A deep voice reminds Hagrid that he was told he's no longer welcome there. This centaur has a chestnut-colored horse's body, long black hair on his head, and is armed with arrows and a longbow. Hagrid warily asks him how he is, calling him Megorian, and another several centaurs emerge from the trees to join him. Harry recognizes the black-bodied and bearded Bane, though he gives no sign of recognizing Harry, and nastily mentions what they agreed they would do if this human ever showed his face in the forest again. Hagrid testily comments on being called this human when all he did was stop them from committing murder, and Megorian tells them he ought not to have meddled, as their ways and laws are not his, and Ferenc has betrayed and dishonored them. Hagrid disagrees since all Ferenz did was help Albus Dumbledore, but a Grey Centaur calls it entering servitude to humans. Hagrid scathingly contradicts this, saying that he's just doing Dumbledore a favor, but Megorian calls it peddling their knowledge and secrets amongst humans, which is a disgrace that he cannot return from. Hagrid shrugs and says he thinks they're making a mistake, and Bane tells him he is as well returning to their forest after they warned him. Hagrid cuts him off to remind him that it's not up to him who comes and goes in there. Magorian says that it also isn't up to Hagrid, but tells him that they will let him pass today since he's accompanied by his young. Bain cuts in to point out that they aren't his, but students from the school who are likely already profiting from the traitor for Renz's teachings. Megorian reminds Bane that they do not touch the innocent, so today Hagrid passes, but in the future he needs to stay away. Hagrid loudly tells them that he won't be kept out of the forest by a bunch of mules, and Hermione begs him to just go. He moves forward but continues to look threateningly at Megorian, who then calls after them that they know what he's keeping in the forest and their tolerance is waning. Hagrid yells back that they will tolerate him as long as he is there and Harry and Hermione begin to try pushing him forward to keep him moving. Hagrid tells them to calm down and Hermione expresses her concern that they won't be able to re-enter the forest with the centaurs there. Hagrid dismisses this concern since they won't hurt kids and says that they can't let that lot push them around. Harry murmurs nice try to Hermione and the three of them continue to walk out of the forest Rejoining the path, eventually able to see patches of sky, and then to hear distant sounds of cheering and shouting. Hagrid wonders if it's another goal, or if the match is over, and Hermione miserably says she doesn't know. She looks pretty bad, with her hair full of twigs and bits of leaves, her robes ripped and her face scratched up. Harry knows he likely doesn't look any better, but Hagrid is focused on the match, which he figures must be over since it looks like people are leaving the pitch. He tells them to hurry so they can blend into the crowd, and Harry agrees, saying they'll see him later. As soon as they are out of earshot, Hermione repeatedly says she can't believe him, and Harry tells her to calm down. Instead, she doubles down, listing all the things he expects of them. Harry tries to reassure her that they don't have to do anything yet and tries to say that he may not even get chucked out, but Hermione isn't having it, even going as far to say that he deserves to be chucked out considering what they just saw. Harry doesn't think she means that, and she admits that she doesn't, but wonders why he has to make life so difficult for himself and them. Harry doesn't really have anything to say, and even if he did, they're distracted by a loud chorus of Weasley is our king. Hermione says that she wishes they'd stop singing that song, but as the lyrics continue, Harry realizes that they are different from the Slytherin's version. As it grows louder, they realize that the Gryffindors are singing that Weasley didn't let the Quaffle in and can save anything while carrying Ron on their shoulders. Hermione says a hushed no, and Harry yells an excited yes. Ron yells to them that they won as he's carried past, and they both smile up at him. After the crowd passes, they turn back to one another and their smiles fade. Harry suggests they save their news until tomorrow, and Hermione agrees. They climb the steps to the castle together, and both of them look back towards the Forbidden Forest, where Harry is sure he sees another small cloud of birds erupt into the sky above the treetops.
1: Jumping back in time in the movie a bit, we pick up right after the DA leaves their mass detention and Harry snubs Cho, who was waiting for him outside the Great Hall doors. The scene shifts to show the covered bridge leading away from the castle, as Ron's voice says, You did everything you could. When he says no one can win against that old hag, Hermione's voice adds on that not even Dumbledore could see this coming. The camera cuts to show the trio walking across the bridge, Harry looking forlorn in the front, with Ron and Hermione just behind him, trying to cheer him up. Hermione says that if it's anyone's fault, it's theirs, and Ron agrees, saying they talked him into it. This doesn't really comfort Harry, who just points out that he agreed and tried so hard to help, but has only made things worse. He also says that it doesn't matter anymore, he doesn't want to play, because it just makes him care too much, and then there is more to lose. He thinks it might just be better to go it alone, and before Hermione or Ron can say anything to the contrary, a ps, sound in the distance catches their attention. They look to see Hagrid standing partially hidden by the doorway at the end of the bridge, and Harry questioningly says his name. The scene cuts to Hagrid leading them through the Forbidden Forest. Ron wonders if they have any idea where he's taking them, and Harry flat-out asks him why he can't just tell them. Hagrid doesn't respond, just hesitates and looks around. A herd of centaurs run by them, yelling, and he comments that he's never seen them so riled, and they are dangerous at the best of times. He tells the trio that the Ministry has been restricting their territory, and if they keep doing it, they're going to end up with a full uprising on their hands. Hermione bluntly asks him what is going on, and he apologizes for being so mysterious, explaining that he wouldn't be bothering them at all, but with Dumbledore gone, he'll likely get sacked any day, and he can't leave without telling someone about him. The camera focuses on Harry, Ron, and Hermione, who all look extremely concerned by something, accompanied by the sound of cracking branches. As their eyes move upward, it cuts to show a giant standing up. Hagrid calls him Groppy, and draws his attention towards them. As the giant lumbers in their direction, the trio back away looking terrified. They all duck as the giant claps his hands over a bird and then slowly stand back up as Hagrid gently tells the giant that he brought him some company. Grop enthusiastically runs right at them and they back away as quickly as possible. He is forced to stop as a rope tying him back pulls taut. As Grop inspects the rope, Hagrid explains that he couldn't just leave him because he is his brother, Ron says blimey, and Hagrid elaborates that he is his half-brother, and calls him completely harmless, though high-spirited, as he steps over to stand by the trio. Grop reaches forward and picks up Hermione, who screams as Hagrid yells to him that that isn't polite. Ron yells for him to do something, and Hagrid continues to calmly remind Grop that they have talked about this and he does not grab. As he tries to explain to his half-brother that this is his new friend Hermione, Ron runs forward with a large piece of wood that just breaks in half as he hits the giant on the leg. Grop kind of kicks Ron backwards as Hagrid yells out his name again, and Hermione points her finger at him and firmly orders him to put her down. Now. He gently sets her down and turns away, looking a bit sad. Ron asks her if she is alright, and she tells him that she is fine. He just needs a firm hand. Harry doesn't take his eyes off the giant as he tells her that he thinks she has an admirer. Ron calls to Grop to stay away from her as the giant roots around through some things and turns back to them again. He flicks a bell on some old bike handlebars and then offers it to Hermione before grasping his hands shyly. Hermione and Ron exchange glances and then she rings the bell and looks up at Grop. He takes the handlebars back and seems pleased as Hagrid explains that he gets his own food and all, but will need company when he's gone. He asks if they will look after him, mentioning that he's the only family he's got. As Grop continues to ring the bell, the camera focuses on Harry as he solemnly nods in agreement to help look after Grop. I fucking hate the name Grop.
0: I know you do. <laughs> I hate that name so goddamn <laughs> Sorry much. You to say it so much this episode. God damn, do I hate that name. It just doesn't flow. No, it's an awkward name. It's a terrible name. But it's what it sounds like he says when he says his
1: name. I guess, but you know what? It's still stupid. (laughs) I would rather call him Grunt. Meh. 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 This is my brother. (laughs) Meh.
0: You're welcome. (laughs) But yeah, like we said last week, part of the movie section technically does line up with where we took the chapter to, but since it's quite a bit different and fairly short, we figured we could just mention it here and get caught up on the parts that are more similar even though they are different.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We start this movie section off by doing the time warp again.
0: Let's do the time
1: warp again. You realize that it's just a jump to the left, where Harry left Cho standing outside of mass detention after she tried to open a dialogue with him, and he was like, Psh, whatever, bitch, I'm Audi 5000. That's exactly what he said. That's exact. It was the 90s, man. Everybody said that. Literally in closed caption and everything. <laughs> From there, we join the trio on the covered bridge that, you know, magically appeared their third year, where Ron and Hermione are trying to lift Harry's spirits a bit to make him feel better about all the literal and figurative blood on his
0: hands. Yeah, there's both. <laughs> there's a lot of both. Let's mm-hmm. just say that.
1: Ron delivers a lovely motivational speech, wherein he basically says that there's no winning against Bitch Mall. and Hermione's like, yeah, even Dumbledore peaced out away from that cunt. Which... If you're only watching the movie, that is certainly how things seem. Yeah, that's not how it happened in the book. It's not, and it's really very upsetting. Uh huh. In the book, you get this idea that, like, there's a plan, at least. Yeah. Somewhat, or no one's backing down from her, whereas in the movie, everybody's fucking backing down from her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it seems pretty fucking hopeless at this moment. But damn it, Hermione, you're not supposed to say that. Right? Shit! But they continue trying to make him feel better by taking the blame
0: on themselves since it was their idea in the first place. Technically, it was Hermione's idea. Ron should just be throwing her under the bus. Right?
1: (laughs) For once, it was her fault. Take her. Take her. Because, you know, that's what Harry needs is more people trying to take the rap for things that he's done.
0: I mean, he is pretty self-sacrificing, so it (laughs) wouldn't work anyway. No, but at the same time. I feel like it's just going to make him double down on it. No, it's all my fault. (laughs)
1: Generally, that is how things go with him. Because, <laughs> yeah, he isn't really having it. And he points out that he was the one who followed through with it and kept it going. He laments that he just wanted to help, but only ended up fucking things up more. Which, kind of a prevalent theme, don't you think? I mean, who doesn't know that feeling, though? <laughs> <laughs> he tells him that he has found out and now he is just done fucking around. Yeah. So he starts to do his hero thing of making his grand declaration that he's better off alone, but before Ron and Hermione can smack him upside the head and point out how goddamn stupid that sounds, they hear a leaky tire somewhere near them. Oh, wait, that's not a leaky tire. It's your friendly neighborhood Hagrid doing his best to be inconspicuous in the most conspicuous way possible.
0: And the closest (laughs) that we have this to the book is him doing that to them up in the Quidditch stands. Yep. This was actually less conspicuous comparatively. Yeah, it was definitely, and for it's sure. not a ding. I don't think you could call this a ding at
1: all. The p's might be a ding. Yeah. It's a p's more than a ding. Yeah.
0: Meh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we don't this episode title. Episode just, title. <laughs> <will> just be <laughs> me. Capital meh. Capital M E H. Several e's in there too. I think. this is my brother man right (laughs) fuck anyway but yeah so lining this up with the book because obviously that did not happen in the book at all Mm -mm. like i said the closest we have is hagrid finding harry and hermione in the stands Mm -hmm. so we then have them walking to the forest yes and we already talked about that part but because the movie streamlines it so much Like basically cutting to the punchline of this scene. Pretty much, yeah. We had a little bit more to talk about their walk. And I figured we can do that now and then bounce back to where it lines up again. Because when you make big changes, it's really hard (laughs) to line things up. It is. And that is where we are with this. But at this moment in the book where we left off is Hagrid is just continuing to lead the way into the forest because this was like a 45 fucking minute hike. Mm Mm-hmm. And Harry and Hermione are really struggling to keep up with him, both because he's so much bigger than they are, and that makes his stride a lot longer, and also because they're little, and everything they come across is, like, slicing their face open or (laughs) trying to trip them, and they look like hell by this point
1: already. They need to, like, bring climbing gear just
0: to get through everything. right? Whereas Hagrid's just like, oh, look, a branch. Like, Snap. Yeah, no big deal. To make matters worse... That is all happening just because the path is overgrown. Hagrid then steps off of the path completely. (laughs) And Harry's just like, where are we going? (laughs) What you doing?
1: But that way's a trail. We should stay that way. I like that way. stay on
0: the path even though the path sucks? This sucks more. (laughs) Yeah, and all he gets back from Hagrid is just a bit further. Try to keep with me. Yeah, that's me peacing out. I'm sorry. I'm out. Nope, they try to keep up. And it's just a continuation of getting caught in cobwebs on branches. Like I said, Harry's face is just, and arms probably, just cut little scratches, legs. And they're so far into the Forbidden Forest that they can't even really hear anything. It's just dark and it's silent. And every little tiny sound that they do hear sounds extra ominous because of this. Yeah, I imagine it would. Sure. Hermione being Hermione asks if they can light their wands. Because they can't fucking see anything and they're getting beat to shit and they can't keep up with them. And they're in the scary woods and everything's sounding horrifying.
1: Right. Like, things have to change right now. Yeah.
0: Can we work on this, please? And Hagrid agrees, but also stops. Mm Mm-hmm. And Hermione just runs right into the back of him. Sure. Which knocks her backwards. She, like, bounces off of him. Harry manages to catch her just before she hits the ground. And Hagrid's just like, yeah, let's stop here for a minute so I can fill you in. (laughs) Oh, now you're going to fill us in? Even this version of filling them in does not give them that much information. No. But they say Lumos to light their wands, and now they can actually see Hagrid, Mm -hmm. who looks super nervous and really sad, and he's just like, so there's a good chance I'm going to get sacked any day now, because Pepto Bitchmall thinks I'm the one who put the Nippler in her office. Which was our trivia question. Sure was. And I kind of love this moment, because Harry's just like, well, did ya? (laughs) And honestly, with what he's seen from McGonagall and Flitwick, like, I don't know that I could completely put it past him. I wouldn't. That's for goddamn sure. But Hagrid's pretty offended when he goes, no. Of course not. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> He just thinks she's looking for an excuse to get rid of him, which, you know, he's not wrong. Not at all. Like, she wants him fired. But really,
1: it's a right to work state. So, I mean, she can fire him no matter what. She doesn't yeah. really need a reason. But True
0: story. Either way. He admits that he doesn't want to go, but that honestly, if it weren't for what he's about to show them, he would just leave, if nothing else, to avoid the big dramatic scene of getting fired publicly, like was what happened with Trelawney. Naturally, Harry and Hermione start to argue this, and Hagrid just, like, waves them off. Not a big deal. I'm going to be able to be useful to the Order once I'm out of here, and you'll have Grubbly Plank to get you through the exams. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But his voice is totally breaking, and there's definitely some emotion in this. Mm -hmm. So Hermione just kind of pats him on the arm, probably, like, his elbow, because that's about all she can reach. Right. And he pulls out one of his giant handkerchiefs, which I always imagine to be, like pillowcase size or something (laughs) the size
1: of a small duvet right
0: and just you know don't worry about me I'm just telling you this because I need your help if I do have to leave and Ron's too if he'll agree and Harry not thinking this through with the things that Hagrid has asked him to help with or considering how fucking beat up he's been all year just goes of course we'll help you what do you need of course no questions asked not a one so Hagrid tells them that You'll see it's just a bit further. Watch out for the nettles as they're already all like cut up at this point. I was going
1: to say that that's the last thing they need to watch out for.
0: Yeah, a little bit late for that warning <laughs> <Right>. too. <laughs> but yeah, just a bit further. They walk for another 15 minutes. That's more than a bit further. Right? And Harry's just like, how much further? Except before he actually can ask this question, Hagrid just throws out his arm to stop them. So now they're getting close. We're getting somewhere, guys. And this is basically where the movie comes in,
1: though there are some very obvious differences. Like, I don't know, an entire Weasley being there. (laughs) Yes,
0: we have an extra Weasley in this scene.
1: (laughs) Which normally I'm not going to complain about. So there's that. But because there was no Quidditch in the movie,
0: Ron had nowhere to be. (laughs) Right. And honestly, for the sake of that, it does kind of make sense to include him. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm more just upset that there wasn't Quidditch. Yeah. Not that I care about the sports ball, <laughs> but I do care about the authenticity of the story. The
1: content. It yeah. was like I said last week. It, I'm not really hurt about there being no Quidditch, but I would have just liked more content. Yep. Just in general. I don't care what that content is, as long as it was true to the book. I was going
0: to say, accuracy.
1: <laughs> yes, that's what I meant by that. Yes. yes. But it also really streamlines the amount of time they spend walking to the forest.
0: Also makes sense since we don't really need the full 45 minutes of them walking through the woods. No. I definitely don't mind that streamlining, but it's a notable difference.
1: It is. Yeah, in the movie we see Hagrid leading them into the forest, while Ron wishes he would have brought his can of giant spider killer, because we know what's in that forest. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And Ron knows what's in that forest.
0: Not butterflies.
1: No, no. I mean, there might be some, but the giant spiders are definitely... The worst part. But Harry's like, dude, are you sure you can't just tell us what's going on? Like, use your words, my half-giant guy. Which is kind of a similarity, because he's being vague about where they're going. Yes. So, hey, cool. Not really telling him what's going on, sure. Funko Hagrid does not, in fact, use his words. When a stampede of centaurs runs past them, hollering war cries and brandishing weapons, he comments that they look ready to really fuck shit up. They can fuck shit up even when they're in a good mood, but right now they're gonna mean the fuck out of it.
0: Yeah, and this sort of alludes to something that happens in the book, but it is a pale comparison to what actually happens. Yeah, there's like no stampede. No, this is like the whisper of an encounter with centaurs when there's an actual encounter in the book that we're getting to.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, he mentions that the ministry is just gonna fuck around and find out how far they can push them before they wind up getting a two-hoof beatdown.
0: Yeah, and he specifically mentions that it's because they're restricting their territory. Yeah. But, like, this is Hogwarts grounds, the Forbidden Forest. Like, I don't think the Ministry is really restricting anything in the books. So it's just, like, we need a reason to include the centaurs and get them all riled up against the Ministry, when there are plenty of reasons why the centaurs were all riled up in the books. There are a
1: lot of reasons for them to be fucking riled up. However... Mm, the movie didn't cover a lot of those things. No,
0: so they just had to make something up that doesn't honestly make sense to me. Makes zero fucking sense.
1: I mean, like, if you don't pay attention and you're just like, oh, yeah, restricting territory, that sounds like something that would get magical creatures mad. Yeah. Sure. If you didn't read the books, you're like, yeah, okay. And then that will never get mentioned again.
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, we do have a later scene with the centaurs, which you can tell that they don't like the ministry. Well, yeah. But we'll get there
1: but Hermione just takes this moment to be like okay but really though like what the fuck is the deal and Hagrid says he's sorry for all the secrecy but shit seems to be about to go down and if he gets shit canned he needs someone to know about his latest silly Hagrid hijinks is
0: silly really the word for this
1: it's the word Hagrid would use yeah
0: I'm not sure about that oh he's just a pip that Hagrid (laughs) (laughs) silly goose So, at this point in the book, after Hagrid stops them, he's just like, okay, go easy, be quiet. And they start creeping forward towards Mm -hmm. what Harry is looking at and thinking is just a large hill. It's a mound of dirt. (laughs) There's a weird mossy boulder sitting next to it because Harry's not in Ravenclaw. No. Also, it's dark. Yeah, okay, it is dark. There are trees all around Mm -hmm. this mound that have been ripped up by the roots and harry is just assuming that this is like the lair to some creature which he's not completely I was saying wrong not totally wrong hagrid makes a comment about how it's sleeping and harry then notices like a rhythmic rumbling sound which would be the sound of somebody large
3: Purring. in a deep sleep
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then he looks over at hermione who's just staring at the mound Fully aware that it is not a mound, mouth hanging open, and it confuses him a lot because the question she asks is, who is he? And Harry's over there like, I would have said, what is it? (laughs) (laughs) But then Hermione asks the follow-up question of, I thought you said none of them wanted to come. And it was like, Lumos, above (laughs) Harry's head. Yeah, I got you. Ding. (laughs) Harry is now looking from Hermione to Hagrid to the mound. Hermione to the Hagrid to the mound. And is like, fuck me, that's not a mound. Brad, Dr. Scott. Brad, Janet. (laughs) (laughs) Rocky. Mound, not a mound. (laughs) Giant.
1: Hagrid. Harry. Hagrid. Hermione. Mound.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mound. (laughs) Meh. (laughs) 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 Meh. Anywho, moving on. Hagrid tells Hermione that he didn't actually want to come but he had to bring him and Hermione's like what the fuck do you mean you had to bring him (laughs) and the two are just kind of arguing about this before Hagrid finally goes I couldn't leave him he's my brother
1: similar but definitely streamlined in the movie and of course with Ron right you know the trio all look ready to shit themselves when we hear some cracking branches as they look up up and up and up some more, they all simultaneously wish that they had worn their brown robes because there's a goddamn giant standing in front of them. Yep. Not.
0: Should've won my brown robes.
1: Not a half giant like Hagrid, but a goddamn giant. Hagrid calls for Grop. Or... <laughs> You've been fucking waiting to do that, haven't I really you? Have. God damn it. Hagrid calls for Grop, or as he calls him, Groppy. Because cutesy nicknames totally take the danger away. Totally. Yeah. The giant version of Alfred E. Newman from Mad Magazine starts towards them. Oh my god, is. <laughs> Yes! Since the first moment I saw this movie, I've not been able to get that out of my mind. <laughs> so you're welcome now Thank it's you. in that's yours perfect. as well. Thank you, that's perfect. But he starts towards them,
0: clapping his hands over their heads as he tries to catch a bird. Cause... I'm pretty sure he succeeded in catching said bird because there was like the like really sad tweeting there sound was... and kind of some feathers.
1: It's <laughs> a little flutter of feathers, yes. But anyway, Hagrid tells him that he's brought him some buddies to hang out with. Yay! Yay! Friends! Please don't kill these. Yeah. <laughs> Crop gets a little bit excited and starts to hurry towards them as they back the fuck up in a right hurry. Luckily, he reaches the end of his rope, literally, when his makeshift leash is pulled
0: taut and he is stopped from any more forward motion. I'm not gonna lie, considering that this giant can rip up trees by the roots, I don't see how that rope is stopping him from doing anything. But sure,
1: thank you! Like, why does the tree just not come with him?
0: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Or the rope snap.
1: Yeah. Oh, gee, you're a giant that can, like, rip up trees by their roots, but this one piece of rope will stop you. Uh Uh-huh. And you know what? Grop seems just as confused about that as damn self. How is this rope (laughs) stopping me? He's, like, looking at it like, the fuck? And Hagrid's just going, he ain't heavy. He's my
0: brother, man. Ding. (laughs) In the book, this news that we have now gotten in both, Mm-hmm. causes Hermione's mouth to just drop, which I feel like that's the appropriate response. Yeah, sure. Drop over grob. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Harry says, what do you mean by brother? And he's like, well, my mother took up with another giant. And when a man and a woman <laughs> go spelunking. Yes.
1: Although I'm, I'm assuming if it's another giant, he wouldn't have to spelunk.
0: That would just be fucking. Yeah. Yeah. But he basically explains that Grop is his half-brother. Mm-hmm. Same mother, different father. Sure. Harry then wants to know what the fuck Grop is, which I'm sure Katie understands the sentiment of this entire episode trying to say the name Grop. I fucking hate this name. <laughs> and basically, as Hagrid explains, is it's what it sounds like he's saying when he says his name. Meh. <laughs> 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 But he also tells them that he's been trying to teach him English and manners and stuff like that. Sure. Because it doesn't really look like their mom liked him any more than she liked Hagrid. Aww. And one of the biggest issues is that he's pretty runty compared to other giants. And Hermione's just like, oh yeah, positively (laughs) minuscule. So tiny. (laughs) Just like your voice now. Yeah, because he's only (laughs) 16 feet. Only 16 feet. Jesus, what a pipsqueak now from what i understand full-size giants are 20 and up yeah maybe even more than that sure so 16 does seem pretty short like four feet shorter yeah at minimum like that is smaller and i can see how he gets picked on by the other giants yeah it's like an eight-year-old shorter sure but 16 feet to a human child yeah it's not tiny no that's not runty no not at all and then, like I said, Hagrid explains that he was getting kicked around by the other giants because they were so much bigger than him. And being big is definitely a status thing in the giant world. They are giants. So he couldn't just leave him there. Yeah. Which you kind of like, aww. aww. Yeah. I mean, not when you are in face of what's happening right now. But no. I'm sure like, there was the inkling of it within them. It tugs at the heartstrings a little yeah. bit. For sure, when I was reading it, I was like, oh But yeah. if I were in Harry and Hermione's position, mm-hmm. it would be less of an aww and more of a huh. Yeah. Or a meh. <laughs> <laughs> Harry wants to know what Madame Maxime thought about all of this. Mm-hmm. And this is where it comes out that that's why they ended up going their separate ways, because Hagrid couldn't really travel by day, and he had to be even more inconspicuous, yeah. which is already really difficult for him, made extra difficult by having a 16-foot <laughs> giant that didn't want to go. Yeah. So they did a lot of traveling by night and through, like, backwood country. And sure. Madame Maxine just went off on her own. But she did promise that she wouldn't tell anybody about it because she knew mm-hmm. how important it was to him.
1: Yeah. Which, I mean, that's good on her. Yeah. You know. But
0: Hagrid had a really hard time getting him home because Gropp kept wanting to turn back. Well, yeah. And Hermione's just like, why didn't you let him? (laughs) Like, what are you going to do with a violent giant who doesn't even want to be here? Yeah. And then, of course, there's Hagrid, who... Well, Violent's a bit harsh. I mean... I mean, he's not not violent, though. He's just a little spirited. He doesn't know his own strength. Also words for violent. Right? (laughs) Maybe not intentionally, but violent. Yeah. And at this point, Hermione just cuts to the chase And wants to know what it is that Hagrid expects her, Harry, and Ron to do. I mean, that's fair. And when Hagrid's answer is to look after him, she and Harry just exchange this look like, what the fuck did we agree to? And Harry's just like, we already said we'd do this. We already said we do this. Meanwhile. What the fuck was I thinking? Why would I have agreed to this without his questions? I know what Hagrid is. I know what he (laughs) says. I know what he does. I love the man dearly, but he is fungal Hagrid and not a responsible adult. Meanwhile, they're both just like, okay, sure, we'll look after him. Who's going to look after us? Right. Actually, Hermione just wants to know what that entails. Yeah. And Hagrid reassures them. At least he thinks he's reassuring them. Oh, it doesn't involve getting food or anything like that. He just needs company. Keep teaching him English and manners. And sure, Harry's like, no big deal. You want us to come into the woods this far by ourselves?
1: Your voice is hitting different pitches today (laughs) that previously have been unheard by humans.
0: I'm just hoping that everybody will be able to hear it and it's not like dogs all of a sudden start <laughs> barking when the podcast goes silent. <laughs> Actually, Harry doesn't say anything at all. All he can really do is look over at this giant sleeping form that he previously thought was a mound mm-hmm. because it is kind of misshapen. Like Hagrid yeah. just looks like an oversized human, whereas this thing is weirdly shaped. Like the head does not look like a normal head. Looking a little Picasso-y. Yeah, yeah. This also reminds him of Forenz's warning. Mm-hmm.
1: How things are coming together. And he's just <laughs> like
0: oh. <laughs> His attempts aren't working and now he wants us to teach him. Cool. And he tries to confirm this with Hagrid who tells him that yeah all you really have to do is talk to him and it'll help him see that people like him and they want him to stay and they're like you want us to convince him that we want him to stay when we don't want to do this okay this is cool this
1: will be fun yeah right this will be a good time hey i gotta uh i gotta go do a thing yeah
0: the quidditch match let's get skedaddle that's um yeah Harry looks over at Hermione, who's, like, covering her face with her hands, just completely like, oh, my God, what have we gotten (laughs) ourselves into? And he just kind of murmurs to her, kind of makes your wish we had Norbert back, doesn't it?
1: I mean, not at this point, because Norbert would be big as fuck right now.
0: Oh, yeah. No. I don't think that either one of them are a good idea at all, but it does make Hermione laugh a little bit. Well, there, yeah. It's a shaky laugh, but... It's a laugh. If it's a laugh. Yeah. It's my love language. I understand (laughs) it well. (laughs) And Hagrid doesn't hear this exchange happen mm-hmm. and just asks them if they will do it. And Harry's just like, well, we already fucking promised, <laughs> so we'll try. And Hagrid smiles and says he knew he could count on him because what, you know, add a little dollop of guilt oh, yeah. on top of this ridiculous request. Of this course. is why it blows my mind that anybody would ever think Hagrid is a father figure. No,
2: dude.
1: He's
0: literally asking them to unaccompanied walk into the forbidden forest, which is forbidden for a reason. Except for detentions. Except for detentions. But that even that is with an adult. <laughs> that was accompanied. Yes, it was. And to go talk to a giant that's been beating the shit out of him because he's spirited.
1: Yeah, let's not forget that we are just now figuring out where all of his cuts and bruises have come from over this entire book.
0: And if you haven't figured it out yet, you're absolutely about to in this section. Because now that they've agreed, Mm -hmm. Hagrid's like, I know you're busy. You got upcoming exams. You got shit going on. Just pop down in the invisibility cloak once a week. Have a chat. Yeah. Come bring some tea. No big deal. And then you'd think this is all settled. They're like, yeah, we'll try. Okay, please don't get fired so we don't have to do this. (laughs) But instead, Hagrid goes, I'll wake him up now so you can meet him. And Harry and Hermione are like, no, don't do that. Hermione's like, stop, Hagrid, don't. But it's far too late, and Hagrid has already grabbed a tree branch and just pokes the poor sleeping giant. Yeah.
1: You don't do that to nice people and nice
0: creatures, let alone ones that- This is way worse than poking a sleeping bear.
1: Yeah. Here's the thing. The Hogwarts motto is literally
0: Never never tickle tickle a sleeping sleeping dragon. dragon.
1: Hagrid, have you learned nothing? I know this isn't a dragon. However, sir.
3: There's
0: absolutely no way Hagrid is in any way, shape, or form a being that has not tickled a sleeping dragon. (laughs) And he's fine,
1: so. yo, yeah. (laughs) Nothing bad happened to him. Almost lost his beard in his wooden hut, but, you know, <laughs> no. no big deal.
0: But yeah, so poking him with a large tree branch wakes him up. Imagine that. What? And he wakes up with a loud roar that causes this, like, explosion of birds to fly into the air.
1: If I was a bird, I'd fuck off, too. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> and then Gropp, like, pushes himself onto his knees so he can turn around and figure out who disturbed him. Because I'm sure there's so many people that are willing to do that, but, you know. <laughs> right? Packard asks him if he had a nice sleep. I did until you fucking woke me up, man. But that's besides the point. I don't know if Grop knows enough English to voice that, but he could probably grunt the equivalent in...
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God, I knew exactly what you were saying. <laughs> Remind me never to wake you up.
1: That's exactly what I sound like.
0: I've totally had to wake you up before. And it is similar. It
1: is <laughs> 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 along with the violent tendencies as well, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. We have fun. Yes, we do.
1: Violent fun sometimes. Though.
0: Sometimes. Yeah. Naturally, Harry and Hermione are backing away as fast as they possibly can, which is again similar to the movie. Yeah. As the giant was standing, the trio back away. Crazy I talk. Feel like that's the appropriate thing to do when faced with a giant. Definitely. And the description of Gropp in the book does not match the Mad Magazine cover. No. Alfred E. Newman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he is grayish in skin color, mm-hmm. has a stubby, shapeless nose, which I do kind of feel like the movie got. Yeah. But then a lopsided mouth with huge yellow, half-brick-sized teeth, as they're described. And then he has small, greenish-brown eyes that are like, puffy and half closed with sleep so he like raises his giant fists to wipe them out while he tries to wake up and figure out what the fuck's going on because who likes to function right after being rudely woken up with a stick
1: literally nobody wants to be introduced directly after waking up oh god no
0: just no absolutely not no come on In the book, he is also tied with ropes, which we mentioned last week because Harry asked about them. But now we get the specific description of them actually being tied to his ankles and his wrists. So it's not like one rope tied around his waist. that
1: Right. That he could untie or break or fucking eat. Anything, right? Or just continue walking as though nothing happened (laughs) as the tree follows behind him.
0: And he does stand up. Which causes the ropes to pull on the trees, mm-hmm. and it is pulling the trees forward. Like, yeah, bows them up. If a he bit. really wanted to get away, he would not have a problem. Yeah. But I also think he may not be that intelligent and doesn't fully comprehend that. Mm-hmm. I think uh, the confusion is there.
1: Also, I wonder how he was treated with the other giants being the runt and everything. Yeah. And maybe we've got a trauma response
0: there. Who knows? Possible. Oh, now I feel worse for him. Fuck. It's also entirely possible that he enjoys being tied up. You know what? Nothing wrong with it. Does that make you feel a little better? Yes, it does. <laughs>
1: now that I know that Groff's just a freak. Yeah. What up? This is weird. Anywho, moving on.
0: so he stands, like I said, and he reaches towards the tree. Mm -hmm. one of the trees i don't know if it's one of the ones he's tied to or just a neighboring tree just a tree but he finds a nest and he just grabs this nest and then gets really upset because there's no birds in the nest which he probably wanted to eat i would imagine so there are eggs and he apparently doesn't like omelets because he just dumps the eggs out of the nest (laughs) and then everybody down on the ground which in this case is hagrid harry and hermione Mm -hmm. have to kind of dodge the eggs that are falling down like grenades sure and Hagrid kind of looks up at him, just sort of like wary that there might be more eggs that fall, but also tries to keep going and achieve what the whole purpose of waking him up was, which is letting his half-brother know that he's got friends for them to meet. hmm Ding! You've got new buddies. Yeah. ding 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 And he reminds him, like, we talked before about how I might have to go on a trip. Do you remember that? And Grop just roars back at him. <sighs> Exactly. So it makes it really difficult to know if Grop is listening or even knows what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And then he's distracted by a pine tree because it's far more fun to, like, bend that down to the ground and try and break it off. And Hagrid's trying to tell him not to do that. Like, hello, look over here. I have company for you. <laughs>
1: bend them and break them instead. Yes.
0: Hermione's just like, don't, don't draw attention to us. Like, no, like, <laughs> it's fine. Let him play with the trees. Let's just go. But Hagrid takes the stick and pokes him again. Hagrid. Hagrid. Stop it. At this point, Grop really does realize that they're Right there mm-hmm. and looks down at them, lets go of the tree, which like slingshots backwards and like completely showers Hagrid in pine needles. Sure. And this gives Hagrid the chance to say, Grop, this is Harry Potter. Remember, I told you about him. You told him my name?
2: <laughs> Shit!
0: <laughs> Dude! And now, Grop actually realizes that it is not just Hagrid there. There are two other people, too. And these are probably the first other people that he's met. And they're little. Mm-hmm. They're itty-bitty. So he, like, looks down at them. And he's just interested. Mm-hmm. Keep looking. so Hagrid's just like, and this is Hermione. But do you mind if he calls you Hermie? Because Hermione's kind of hard to say. And Hermione's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, dude...
1: This thing's scaring me. It can call me whatever the fuck it wants. You're right. I'm not going to fight him. Not at all. Uh Uh-uh. If it wants to call me, (laughs) that's fine too.
0: I know that's probably all I'm going to be able to say while interacting with him. I didn't know I knew giants. I I didn't know I spoke giants so well. (laughs) But anyway, Hagrid then redoes the introduction. Saying, this is Hermie. You got Harry Potter and you got Hermie. Sure. And immediately, the giant, meh, Grop <laughs> just starts to reach out for Hermione. Just starts to try and grab her. But Harry, with his seeker reflexes, pulls her out of the way behind a tree. And he narrowly misses. Like, it was just in time. Hagrid starts lecturing him. grop we don't grab type thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't think that personal boundaries and consent are a big thing with giants. So. Probably
0: not. Especially not since Grop's reaction to being told not to grab is to punch Hagrid in the face, essentially. Because yeah. the we don't grab gets followed up with an ouch. Yeah. So Harry peeks around the tree and sees that Hagrid's lying on his back with a bloody nose. And Grop has gone back to playing with the tree.
1: Let's just leave him now. Can we just leave him now? this was good. He met us. We're good. Let's go. Yeah. Good talk, guy. Good talk. (laughs) Again, the movie extremelines this, Mm -hmm. as we like to say. Plus, the book version of having Grop just nearly grab Hermione wasn't nearly dramatic enough, though there are still parallels. Yes. Nearly parallels. Nearly parallels. How can it be nearly parallels? Like this. I'm going to tell you now. Ron, who's there in the movie again, shits himself once more, because Ron is all of us. And Hagrid and his audacity refer to the giant as goddamned harmless. Just, you know, wee bit hyper. Yeah, that's what he is, sure. That's how you
0: describe a four-year-old. Yeah. Who you are taller than. Yes, much (laughs) larger than. (laughs) This is the opposite. Yes, very much.
1: Grop then decides that he wants to play tea party and picks up Hermione as Hagrid yells to him that he is being rude and we don't pick up our friends. We do not grab. No. That's your new friend, Hermione. Not Hermie. Hermione. Ron tells Hagrid to fucking do something, because, like, bro, he just picked up my friend. Yeah. You're a teacher, man. You're not supposed to let this shit happen. But Hagrid just admonishes him like a toddler again, which... Right. Not far from the truth, as we've already discussed. Four years
0: old in a 16-foot body.
1: Yes. Oh my god, that sounds horrendous. Oh my
0: god, so much destruction. (laughs) (gasps) Can you imagine that tantrum alone? Oh. I'm sorry, I just gave you nightmares. Oh god. Please continue. Oh, yes.
1: He tells Grop that he brought him some new homies to hang with, and they're not toys. But Ron... Having had enough of the baby talk, he runs to the attempted rescue, and he hits Grop with a goddamn tree branch. Right in the knee. Yeah. Unfortunately, that shit just breaks like it was made of glass. Like, there's nothing to it. No. And he's just like, well, shit.
0: Even more so. Next. Right. (laughs)
1: Grop just kicks Ron, and he just kind of (laughs) goes...
0: He didn't really do it hard. It no. was more of a, like, using his foot to shove him out of the way. Yeah, it
1: wasn't necessarily a kick. Like, he didn't wind up or anything. You know, it was just a little hyper kick. Yeah.
0: It was just a, mmm.
1: Meh. Ah, thunk. That was all it really was. But you know what? When done by something that's 16 fucking feet tall, it's going to hurt no matter how gentle oh, yeah. it was. yeah, he did not come out
0: of that without a couple of bruises. Of course.
1: Hagrid tries again with the gentle parenting, but Hermione has had enough, and she puts on her talking to Harry and Ron when they're doing something stupid voice. And she firmly tells him to put her down. Now! now. <laughs> I love the pause. Mm-hmm. I do love the pause. And he does so. And it works. Yeah. So, he even looks a little sheepish. He does. He's kind of, like, admonished about it. He's, he's, oh.
0: As,
1: as giants tend to say as we know because apparently
0: we speak it i'm really glad that giants aren't real creatures because we're total assholes if they are oh yeah <laughs> oh dude yeah
1: well i'm yes i'm glad that they're not real thank you for making me feel like an asshole about it though <laughs> why stop now you're
0: welcome
1: <laughs> <laughs> but ron checks on hermione And she tells him that she's good. The big baby just needs someone who means business because that gentle shit doesn't work. Yeah. He just needs a firm hand is all. Harry then comments that he's pretty
0: sure Hermione has a new bestie. Or a secret admirer. Or
1: a
2: secret admirer.
0: Not that secret. But yeah.
1: Alfred E. Newman is not good at holding back his feelings. No. At all. No. (laughs) Grop starts rummaging around. Alfred E. (laughs)
0: Newman. (laughs)
1: Ma <laughs> I could not. <laughs> <sighs> wow, this episode has gone off the fucking it really rails. Has. <laughs> and I'm here for every minute of it. Hmm. But Grob starts rummaging around by his tree and Ron squeaks to him to stay away, which I missed Squeaky Ron. Did Uh you?
0: Yeah. I did. My favorite thing about this, too, is aside from the squeak, Mm -hmm. was also the layered-in jealousy. (laughs) It was a little... Like, you really think Hermione's gonna, like, revel in this attention from the scary giants? Yeah. Stay Stay away away from from her. her.
1: She's fine. (laughs) That's my Hermione. My Hermie. (laughs) But when Grop turns back... He just has bike handlebars <laughs> and he rings a little bicycle bell and hands it to Hermione. And it's like, it's his first gift to her. Yeah, And, aww. aww. So he's much less violent in the movie. Oh,
0: much than less. Than he is in the
1: book, for sure. And meanwhile, Hermione's just like, I, uh, okay. And she just kind of looks at Ron like... I guess I'll do the thing. And she just rings the You bell. mean she'll do the ding? She'll do the ding. She'll do the thing for the ding. Yep. And she'll ring the bell on the handlebars herself. Just like, you know, in solidarity, I, I guess. guess, with Crop. I mean, it's kind Okay. I got it. It's a little bit like when a little kid hands you a toy phone yeah you answer Hello? that shit yeah. yes
0: they're communicating
1: yes there is somebody on that phone and you talk yeah so if a child like giant hands you some broken bike handlebars with, with a bell, bell on it, it
0: you ring that bell you ring the goddamn bell. You ring bell. the goddamn bell
1: ity, yes you do yeah and that seems to be the right reaction for her too because he gets like stoked he looks so pleased <laughs> he's so happy <laughs> and he takes it back, and he starts ringing the bell himself, and he's like, ding, ding, ding. So the whole rest of this scene, we just hear, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> and it's kind of adorable. It really is. <laughs> but Hagrid takes this moment with the ding in the background to explain that he can take care of himself and everything. He just needs some friends so he doesn't get lonely.
0: And it's interesting, though, because that's a ding to the book. <laughs> it is. It is. Though they don't specifically say that he wants them to teach him English.
1: No, but he does say he gets his own food and all. And, you know, so it is a very close ding. And it's just funny because we've got Grop literally dinging a bell. (laughs) But Hagrid kind of pleads with them to keep an eye on him since he doesn't have any other family. And... Harry being the orphan that he is. Yeah, <laughs> that one definitely got right under his skin. Oh, yeah. He pulled on the orphan heartstrings oh, is what yeah. he did. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, the he'd... funny thing is, I don't think Hagrid's that manipulative. So this no! was just a total, genuine, innocent. He yeah. doesn't have family. I feel bad for him. And Harry's just like, I don't have family. I feel bad
2: for him.
1: <laughs> it's honestly like I really I agree with you I don't think that it's Hagrid being like oh I know how I'll get him right I'll bring up the no parents thing and no family no it's literally just like Hagrid explaining why he feels so close to Grop. yeah which is because that's his only family yep and Hagrid was not close with his mother but he was close to his father yeah and so he understands the idea of having someone you're close to and and what family means and Grop might not even fucking understand that. Probably doesn't. Probably doesn't. But Hagrid does. Mm -hmm. And I think that Hagrid wants Grop to feel as loved as he can. Yeah. Like, I hate to make this make sense, as Ashley likes to say, but I think that he's really just, like, wants to make him feel loved. He wants to make him feel safe because... It's the only family Hagrid
0: has. Yeah. And like he said in the book, if people are nice to him, then he'll know they like him and want him to stay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Same sentiment. Yeah. And so, yeah,
1: that just tugs on Harry's heartstrings. He's putty at this point. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay, I'll go. Yeah. He agrees to help him out as the big guy just continues ringing the bell. And for once, I'm not talking an innuendo. That's, what? I know that's very rare for me. but and it's
0: amazing how similar this is. When at the same time it's super different, <laughs> it is because there's no Hagrid with a bloody nose in the movie, Mm-mm. and then in the book there's no gift for Hermione. Like the handlebars and Bell was not a thing. There wasn't even any real connection between them. No, like, he gave Hagrid a bloody nose and went back to playing with the tree.
1: Yeah, and also in the movie it's never implied that Hagrid's been getting beat up this whole time. When he comes back from his trip and he's all beaten up and stuff, he basically says it's, like, from the Giants.
0: Yeah. He doesn't explain
1: everything, but we never find out that that was from Grop.
0: Right. And we never even really see him enough. No. To know that it was continually happening throughout the school year. Exactly. So there's that. So, yeah. And I guess that made it a little bit easier for the movie to make him a little bit more docile. Yeah. Because in the movie, he genuinely was just a wee bit hyper. He was like a puppy. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then the book also does things quite a bit differently after they meet Grub, Because mm-hmm. that's where the movie cuts it off. Yeah. It's just done. Book chapter keeps on going. It's
1: basically just like, hey, here's this new character. And... Seems. T- <laughs> that's all. Yep. We'll see
0: him later. Cool. In the book... Hagrid gets up and he's talking really thickly because he's got the bloody nose, and yeah. he's just like, "Well, you met him, so now he'll know <laughs> you when you have to come back." And we probably should go now. And Harry and Hermione are like, "Oh, yeah, we should have gone ten minutes ago. We should have never come. I was say,
1: <laughs> we should have stayed where we were, man. That's what we should have done." Yeah, facts.
0: Hagrid props his crossbow back up on his shoulders and just starts leading the way through the trees again. Okay, and they just follow him pretty much in silence for a while because what do you say in this situation Mm -hmm. and they can actually hear it despite getting pretty further into the woods or out of the woods I guess they can actually hear it when Grop manages to uproot the pine tree he'd been messing with Mm -hmm. and he's just like what's gonna happen when somebody finds out (laughs) about Grop hiding in the forest and that we promised to come try and civilize him despite it being pointless like What, like, this is not going to end well. This is not my fair lady, bro. Like. (laughs) No. But now in the book, we come to the whole centaur encounter. Yeah. And it's not just a stampede of them running by. It's one Mm -hmm. literally approaching them and then a few more following him behind. And the one that approaches them is not one we've previously met. He's a chestnut color horse body, but then the human torso. Mm Mm-hmm is one with long black hair okay yeah and he also is armed he's got an arrows and a longbow
2: mm-hmm.
0: and Hagrid calls this one Megorian. smash <laughs> what <laughs> the more that they have a conversation it starts to seem like Megorian might be the leader mm-hmm. the way that he's talking to Hagrid and the other centaurs even does he have a wonder emporium not that I'm aware of but no. <laughs> just checking But then, like I said, some other centaurs follow up behind, so there's like four or five of them total now. And one of them Harry recognizes as the black horsed body with the beard that's named Bane, who was totally a dick to both Harry and Ferenz the last time that Harry encountered the centaurs. Yep. And he does not give any indication of recognizing Harry. No just nastily mentions to the rest of the centaurs what they would do if they ever saw this human's face in their forest again. Hmm. Hagrid does not take too kindly to being called this human. He's just like, oh, I'm this human now, am I, when all I did was stop you from committing murder? And Megorian, just slow, deep voice, calmly says, you ought not to have meddled in our ways they're not your ways your laws are not our laws Ferenz betrayed and dishonored us i can see both sides i can see both sides however they're also dicks yeah and hagrid just full-on disagrees was like all Ferenz did was agree to help albus dumbledore Mm -hmm. and then there's a gray centaur that calls it entering servitude to humans and Hagrid's just like, he's doing Dumbledore a favor. Like, it's not servitude. Yeah. And Megorian says that he's peddling their knowledge and secrets among human, which is a disgrace that he cannot return from.
1: You know, Guy, I gotta tell you, here's the thing. Most of your secrets are literally like, so this might happen, but it might not. Right. It's, it's not so always vague. The what are thing. the
0: humans gonna do with yeah. it? Yeah.
1: What, honestly, do you think is going to happen, man?
0: Who knows? And that's kind of where Hagrid is, too. He just sort of shrugs and just goes, yeah, I think you're making a mistake. And Bane says, so are you, returning to the forest after we warned you. And Hagrid's like, it's not up to you. You can't, my forest, this, like, it's not yours. You don't get to decide who comes and goes. Yeah. And Megorian points out that it's also not up to Hagrid check for Magorian yeah and sure. also adds on that they will give him a pass today since he's accompanied by his young which is why I feel like Megorian is kind of a leader he seems to be the one making the decisions yeah
1: he seems to be like the benevolent yeah because Bane
0: does not like this he even no. points out that they're not his young they're just students from the school who are probably benefiting from the traitor Forenz's teachings
1: I mean, are we, though? Are they? I don't think so. Hermione's <laughs> definitely not. That's what I just want Harry to be like. I'm a shit student, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm not learning nothing. Trust me. It's all good. Right.
0: Or just flatter him a little bit. Like, your ways are far too clever for us yes. simple humans to understand. Exactly. I don't know. There had to be a way to handle that better, but...
1: yeah. Also... Shutting the fuck up works, too. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe not say anything at all. Yeah. Megorian tells Bane to remember that they don't touch the innocent. He keeps saying foals. Yeah. <laughs> and clearly states, so Hagrid passes today, but in the future, he needs to stay the fuck away from us. Which Hagrid doesn't like, and he starts to yell that he's not going to get kicked out of the forest by a bunch of mules. And Hermione's just like, please, Hagrid, shut up. Let's just go. Let's just go. <laughs> and he starts to move forward, but doesn't look away from Megorian who's then yelling after him Mm -hmm. that they know what he's keeping in the forest and their tolerance is waning and Hagrid's just like you're gonna tolerate him as long as he's there it's just as much his forest as it's yours you don't get to decide and Harry and Hermione are literally pushing Hagrid (laughs) trying to keep him moving forward Ixnay on the Yule May yeah and
1: Jesus dude
0: Eventually, they do get out of sight of the centaurs, mm-hmm. and Hagrid then notices that Harry and Hermione are pushing them, because he didn't even seem to feel it, <laughs> and he's just like, calm down, you two.
1: Plus, he had all that adrenaline going and right. whatnot, yeah.
0: And Hermione tries to logic the situation and just goes, I don't see how we're going to be able to re-enter the forest <laughs> with the centaurs here. <laughs> oh, darn. Oh, no. How can we help you now? Ha-rumph. And Hagrid's just like, eh, you heard them. They won't hurt foals. I mean, kids. <laughs> and he also says that they can't let that lot push them around.
1: I'm just saying. They know our faces now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. And Harry's just like, nice try. And then they just keep on walking. Mm-hmm. And eventually they're back on the normal path. And then it's not as dangerous to walk through. And then they can see bits of the sky. And then they can hear the sounds of cheering and shouting. And Hagrid's just like, oh, is it another goal or is the match over? And Hermione's just like, I don't know. And she's just <laughs> like, I wish we could have seen this aspect of it. Because this, the big frizzy hair, it's full of twigs and leaves. And- <laughs> Her robes are ripped up and and her face is scratched up. And Harry knows that there's no way he looks any better. Mm -hmm. And Hagrid is completely oblivious to all of this. Of
1: course he is. Because
0: he's just now focused on the match, which he decides must actually be over because he can see people leaving the Quidditch pitch. Mm -hmm. And he suggests that if they hurry, they can just blend right into the crowd because they totally look like they just left a Quidditch match in the state that they're in. But Harry's just like, "Yep, we'll see you later. (laughs)
1: Meanwhile, they actually look like when the rogue bludger was like going through the stands and shit in the second movie. That's what they look like.
0: Yeah, it's a mess. Mm -hmm. But they're in a hurry to get away and they just rush away. And as soon as they get out of earshot, Hermione's just like, I can't believe him. I can't believe him. I can't believe him. And Harry's just like, calm down, which is the wrong thing to say because... (laughs) Instead of getting anywhere near calm, she's just like, he expects us to teach a giant English and we have to face the centaurs and go into the forest and break all of these school rules. And I can't believe him. (laughs) And he tries to reassure her that they don't have to do anything yet. Maybe he won't get chucked out. And she just laughs like one of the like crazy, like not funny laughs, but the hysterical laughs. I do believe the word is mirthless. Yeah. Yeah. And she even says that after what they just witnessed, of course, he's going to get chucked out and he deserves it. Mm. And Harry's just like, you don't mean that. And She's just like, no, I don't actually mean that. But why (laughs) does he have to make life so difficult for himself and us?
1: (laughs) Which is a valid question. That is quite valid. Because it is. It's a lot for Hagrid to put on two kids.
0: Maybe three, but maybe well, yeah.
1: Either way, it's a lot for him to be putting on kids.
0: On anybody,
1: okay, it's a lot for him to put on somebody. Else. It was a lot for him to put on
0: himself. Yeah, but it's considering How he I got mean, beat up. It's haggard though. So there's that. And Harry doesn't really have an answer to this because he's thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. And even if he did have something to say he wouldn't get a chance to say it because now they're getting distracted by a very loud chorus of Weasley is our king and Hermione's just like, and I wish they'd stop singing that song because she's just in full-on rants. Mm-hmm. But then the closer they get to the crowd singing, they start to realize that everyone is wearing scarlet and gold and the lyrics are different.
1: And I've, I'm willing to bet that the tone is quite different. Oh, it was celebratory.
0: Yeah. Yes. Because they're singing that Weasley is our king. He didn't let the quaffle in. Mm-hmm. Weasley is our king. He can save anything. Yep. And they've got Ron up on their shoulders. The lone figure being carried by all of the Gryffindors right past Harry and Hermione who are like, did we win? No. And Harry goes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very reminiscent. Yes. Quidditch, <laughs> but in a no. Completely, Quidditch, yes. Completely different scenario. Yeah. And Ron does yell to them that they won and, he, and they smile and then the crowd passes them and they turn back and look at one another and their smiles just go away. And they're like, <laughs> we can share our news tomorrow, right? Yeah. yeah. And then they make their way up the steps to the castle and both pause and just kind of subconsciously look over their shoulders back at the forest like what the fuck did we get ourselves into and harry is positive that he sees another cloud of birds just erupt <laughs> above the treetops like they've just been flung out of a tree yeah i
1: imagine that it has to make the forest look that much bigger
0: yeah do you know what i mean
1: knowing that there's a 16 foot giant in yeah. those trees i could that's see that gotta make you just go well fuck Well, fuck indeed. (laughs) I have never felt more minuscule in my life.
0: And that is where the book chapter ends. It
1: is. We had movie scenes. Yeah, Grop doesn't really count. So
0: we're just going to go ahead and move right on to the Potter pondering. Yep. Which is, what are your thoughts on the changes in meeting Grop from book to movie? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your responses a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them.
1: And again, there is no Sorting Hat story this week, but if you want to send us one, you can email it to us at Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us.
0: Or you can message it to us over social media. Hell yeah. This week's trivia question is, How many hours a day does Ernie claim he is averaging studying for exams? The first one who responds with a correct answer and the code word, hashtag don't panic, will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it.
1: Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question.
0: You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our
1: weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random
0: videos. If you would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com slash foxsakepod. $2 and up a month will get you some awesome perks like, for fox sake, swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated, even if it's just telling your Harry Potter friends about us. And if you don't have any Harry Potter friends, there's another reason to join our Patreon because you will meet some of the best Harry Potter people ever. I mean, just the best people ever, really. There's that, too. Period. End of sentence. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 31, OWLs, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And in the meantime... Keep calm and carry on!
2: Oh, for fuck's sake.